Station 13 may cover topics that are not suitable for all listeners, such as death, body gore, and homicide, not to mention the paranormal. We also like to swear on occasion. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to Station 13. Grab a glass of wine and put your kids to bed. This is DJ Void, signing back on. On top of today's episode, I would like to encourage anyone with a generous heart to check out the Community Causes page on thestation13.com. While we can't solve all the world's problems, I do hope to make said page a beacon of hope for those in our community going through any unforeseen struggle. A quick reminder, you can always send in things to be added to the Community Causes page via our station email, station13.contact at gmail.com. The Community Causes page is there to help with problems big or small, whether it is helping your community recover from a wildfire or hurricane, or even funding a gender-affirming surgery a person may need to feel whole. Never be afraid to reach out. Thank you, and on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Station 13. I hope you all had a lovely holiday and don't forget, Turkey Day is just around the corner for us in the U.S., However, keep in mind that while it used to be a day filled with familial cheer, it is now one of terror. Remember to prepare for the last Thursday in November, where we shall shut our doors for a solid 24 hours and pray we do not fall victim to this year's hunt. I suggest stocking up on your fall things now, lest you become prey to the being in the corner of our vision. With that said, I did hear Home Depot was running a sale on yard defenses this year to help prevent the population from falling even farther. With low birth rates on the rise and more people falling victim to stupidity each year, we need as many of you to make it through this as possible. Now, last week I read to you from the musings of a young woman named Rose, and it seemed it featured two new creatures I had not made my audience aware of. So I figured I'd explain them at the top of today's show. To start in the order that these monsters were introduced, we shall begin with the crypt that chased Rose into her new life. Unlike most monstrous beings, these creatures are quartered to very specific spots, usually located in the vicinity of mass extinction, brought to life by the raw fear and anger of other beings. These beings could be humans, other monsters, or even just the common rabbit, as the result is all the same, the birth of a crypt. Back when Rose was alive and well and had landed here, in what she calls a parallel universe, we had very little regulations on the hunting of specific creatures, leading to many crypts being created. As of today, however, there are as few as ten at any given time, usually regulated by the USDPCA. These creatures are described as six-foot-tall humanoids with gangly limbs, weeping flesh, and a lack of eyes. Commonly paired with unnaturally sharp teeth and a hiss that would scare the hair off a cat. Unfortunately for those of us such as myself that will like to study these creatures, there are very few pictures of them, as they are quite good at hiding and are not a fan of bright lights. 
but I'll see if I can get one for my Instagram. I know Shelly has a few pictures of beings and such lying around, so I'll be sure to reach out for her. As for the second creature noted in Rose's story, well, that one is a different matter. For the being she described is something which I cannot name. For those of you with a sense of humor, you will enjoy what the USDPCA has decided to call it. For this creature, as feared as it is, so feared that we may not speak its name lest it follow us home, the USDPCA has decided to dub it Forest Daddy. Yes, yes, get your laughter out, for it is quite the ridiculous name. Of course, with a ridiculous name comes some disturbing knowledge. Forest daddies are known to be located in the denser regions of national and state forests. During spring and summer, they go into semi-hibernation, burying themselves in dirt, dead leaves, and fallen branches. During this time, they are seen as mostly harmless, when the sun is up. But once it falls, if you happen to walk past their burrow, they can become active once more. Fall and winter are when this creature is truly at its worst, roaming the dense overgrown regions for prey. This is why most trails and parks start blocking off areas around November 5th of each year. While forest daddies have been notoriously hard to catch on film, there is one easily findable picture that I will post on Instagram when I find the time. They are described as being creatures of towering height, usually adorned with many skulls. Though, to be thorough, not all forest daddies look alike. For example, the creature in Via's first night as a park ranger, and the multiple skull-wearing creature in Rosa's story seem different. Yet, they are both the same. However, each one is set with gangly branch-like limbs and long, sharp claws that are said to cut like barbed wire. Many will go their entire life never having seen a creature such as this, as we've learned to avoid them. And for that, you should be lucky, as those that see it don't always tend to live. Now, with that little explanation out of the way, I have something much more upbeat to share with you. Lately, I've been noticing a garbage goblin limping around my trash cans, so I kind of... I kind of decided to take it to the local vet. To be honest, I know everyone probably thinks I'm crazy as these little critters can rival raccoons in their mean looks, always clouded by a black haze so you can barely make out what they look like. But to be honest, this little guy had lost his luster. The black haze had faded so badly that I could see the trap locked around his front leg. So one very expensive vet visit later... I now have a little garbage gerblin in my garage eating leftover produce from last night's dinner. I have decided to call him Mr. Stubbs, and if you take the time to head over to Instagram using the link tree in the show notes, you can see him for yourself. He's a real cutie if I do say so. The vet pretty much told me I can't release him, so I decided he can live with me. I never really used my gar- garage anyway, so he's more than welcome to crash there. Or enter the house if he can make nice with my feline co-hosts. But I suppose we shall see. Now, on to what you're actually here for. The spooky write-ins from our lovely fans. The first one I've dubbed Winter Wonderland, and I think you'll find out why. It was sent to me by email, but I can't seem to read the sender. So, I'm guessing someone or something doesn't want me to know where it's coming from. 
Let's give it a read, shall we? Hello, Void. This may not reach you, but I figured I'd give it a shot even though our outside communication can be shoddy. I'm one of the many victims of the... Well, I can't read that. Not that I can't read, but I generally can't make it out. <clears throat> anyway. Incident, and I've been trapped inside a glass dome for about five years now. Like I said earlier, our outside communication can be shoddy, but I've noticed your show, Station 13, comes in loud and clear. And let me just tell you the relief that brings for some of us. So if this email gets to you, please read it on air, as it will give the people trapped here, with me, even a little bit of hope. Now, I wouldn't just send this out in a futile hope we can be rescued, as I know after these past years that we can't. But I do wish to share with you how we got this way, and how we're managing to survive it. To take it back to the beginning, I lived in a small, semi-rural town in the outskirts of the Colorado Mountains, specifically Castle Peak. Of course, I use semi-rural loosely, as you probably wouldn't find this town on any maps, even back then. We were sort of self-contained. Some of us would tend farms and other animals, and by trade we made our little place in this big world. Until five years ago, that is. When the sky came crashing in on us. It was an average December morning, snow had just fallen the night prior, and we were going about our business as usual. I was out milking our goat when I first noticed something was off. You see, one of our town's crowning achievements was the bond we share, and were able to cultivate with a couple herds of wild horses. It wasn't anything major, but they'd let us touch them and give them vet care if needed, and it wasn't uncommon to have one wind up in your own herd if it liked you enough. However, that morning they were scared, riled up to the heavens and racing their hearts out of the area. I don't think I ever saw them so ornery and eager to leave, even when tornadoes came through, they seemed calm. But that day, it was just different. When the cows in the fields next to our plot heard their whinnies, they began mooing like their life depended on it, and huddled up near the barn. Of course, I'd know why shortly, as I watched what I'd always assumed was just the sheen over the sky come crashing down around it all. It was like being a bug caught in a glass and with the freshly fallen snow, you'd be rightful to assume we were a snow globe, if you saw us from above. It suddenly made sense why the horses went mad and the cows got riled. They always said animals can sense things before people do. The first day, we managed to round everyone in the town into the square. Easier done than you'd assume when your population has never teetered over the 500 range. As we all sat there and listened to children and adults alike weep, a preacher took his place in the center. A preacher that I had never seen in our town before. He spewed nonsense about how this must be the God's wrath, and that this town has fallen from grace and yada yada. All nonsense, as most of us guessed. But I wish I could say more of us agreed. Two days after the dome fell, after rambling on about how we must repent and cleanse our souls, that preacher took a hundred of us and a hundred faces I had never seen before to the great beyond.
shattered what was left of us, and for the first month most of us were too distraught to even check for an exit. Of course, when we did, there wasn't one. We were completely walled off, and even setting off balloons with notes left them hanging in the sky, with no wind to carry them. It took about three months for us to try other options after that, many of which were to no avail, while we had the internet and our TVs, and power seemed to work just fine. Not a single one of us could get a message to the outside world. Of course, that has changed now. Several of us are able to at least get some emails out, but whenever we tried to explicitly ask for help, they'd fail to send. Another curious thing we all noticed was that we couldn't get news channels anymore, and our radios seemed to completely stop working aside from stations that just played the same six songs every hour. Luckily, we had been managing most of our own food for years aside from the one truck we sent out monthly to restock the grocery mart, so we weren't completely lost. It took a few years, but we managed to reach a stable trade relationship with each other. Throughout all this, however, what was most strange was that the snow refused to go away, and every time the sun beat down on us, the snow would melt slightly and fall from the top of the dome once more. This initially made growing crops difficult, but once we ran out of things at the grocery mart, we just converted it into an indoor farm. It's easy when more than half of us had grow lights sitting in our basements. I mean, it is Colorado after all. And here we are five years later. Several of us had theories about the dome, some along the lines of us being in a hunting zone, etc. But the only deaths we've had outside of the preacher seem to be of old age or death by cow. So I guess I really don't know. Do you? Does anyone? Why am I living in a glorified snow globe? Regardless, we are alive. Families have formed and we've managed to survive. For those of you living in the dome that may be listening, this is proof that our stories can be heard loud and clear. So start writing. Jesus, now I've read this one before. When I first received it, just to make sure I could read it on air. And damn, is it... heartbreaking. Not as spooky as some stories I've shared, but the existential nightmare behind it all. Living in a glorified snow globe seems dangerous at best. I'm going to try to reach out to the country government through the USDPCA to see if any anything can be done. But without a location, this may be shooting fish in a barrel. So, anonymous writer, and those of you trapped in this winter wonderland, I'll try. We will try to see about breaking you out. You've been in there five years too many. Alright, off to commercial in the news while I write some emails quickly. Thank you everyone for joining us today on Station 13. Today we are highlighting Lyric Dimmig of Lapcat Creations and Rain of Paracosm Entertainment. Lyric provided Station 13 with its wonderful podcast cover art, the opening tune, and their voice as Garth Strongwater. If you like their work or would like to view other pieces they have for sale, including some very cute knit items, check out their website, 
blackcatcreations.square.site. That's L-A-P hyphen C-A-T hyphen C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S dot square dot site. Rain lends their voice to our wonderful weathercaster, Misk, and you can find their voice elsewhere on their podcast, Onward and Onward, and Paracosm Entertainment on Twitch and YouTube. Would you like your horror story to be featured on Station 13? Or maybe your own favorite local cryptid? And what about your newest music? Maybe you even wish to support what we endeavor to do here and help our staff feed their fluffy co-hosts. Well, head over to thestation13.com. That's T-H-E-S-T-A-T-I-O-N 13.com for the link to our Patreon and submission information. We'll see you there. Hello folks, it's Garth Strongwater here today with your news. We are roughly two weeks out from Halloween, and it seems the official tally of those affected for not decorating is finally adding up. From what the government is reporting, it seems that half of you that previously celebrated have decided you'd no longer bother. Unfortunately for you, that means a nice long talk to your insurance agency regarding the damage done to your housing. It's reported this year that houses could be seen on the 1st of November with hefty chunks bitten out of them, some even being fully swallowed by the ground. We have no word on casualties as of yet, as everyone seems accounted for, but we shall keep you posted. In other, more sensational news, it seems the end of this month brings with it another election regarding the sovereign rule of our country. While I do not know how to pronounce the participants' names yet, I shall be sure to bring those names in a more stomachable manner next show. As for my lovely window-staring Gregory, he is back home with us and doing much better. My lovely wife has even been knitting him sweaters as he works his way back to full health. For now, that's all I have. Back to you, Void! Thank you, Garth. I am glad to hear Gregory is officially on the mend. I, however, am not so glad to hear so many took damage this Halloween. I do hope they figure out what's causing that soon. Hell, one of my neighbors lost part of his yard to a sinkhole for not decorating, and then got hit with one hell of a fine from the HOA for the same reason. Unspecified blood never gets easier to clean, so I am sure glad I decorated when I had the chance. Alright. Last show I promised I'd bring back stories from my parents, so I decided to choose the next journal entry my mom wrote, after my uncle and grandfather were taken. It's a bit long, as it was a few months after the incident, and she felt the urge to write again. So please, buckle in, and let's get to it. Well, it's been a long time since I've written any my dear journal. About a couple months, I think. I'm glad to have found you, though, hidden under memories in our moving boxes, even though you hold memories I only vaguely remember. I am thankful I had the foresight to write those down. My brother, with whom those pages are filled with the presence of, has been scrubbed from my memories. However, it seems they couldn't do the same with my father. We were allowed to mourn him under false pretenses of an awful work accident. Though, to be fair, we never really knew what exactly happened to him, so it is at least a more favorable death, I suppose. As I wrote earlier, we did move. We're living a few towns away from our old home now, fully funded by an unknown benefactor. Honestly, I'm just relieved this journal made the move as it seems the photos we had containing the strange boy I now remember as my brother have been altered. 
All of our family photos now look just slightly off. I may not fully remember him, but I miss him, as if he held a part of my soul. We're about two weeks away from our second holiday without them, my father and brother, and I can feel the loss even more so now. Not to mention I have lost any urge to go out after dark or enjoy a leisurely time at the mall with my friends. I know too many of them who also lost family that night. From what I can tell from my past musings, Lily had a sister who she doesn't remember, and Haley's little brother is missing from every, every memory I have of her birthdays. We lost far too many people that night, and while I seem to remain stable, I suppose I should thank them for taking part of my mother's pain away. She hasn't been the same since before father vanished, but at least she continues to cook and go about routine. I just wish the clocks could rewind just five months or so, so I could go back and barricade our windows, beg father not to leave for work, anything. Well, it seems my mother took this harder than anyone could imagine and the audacity for them to wipe entire memories of loved ones is unsettling. Next show I have managed, through a thorough network of peers, to gather more stories from breaches across the country. I thought it was about time light got shed on the situation, and judging by the lack of USDPCA agents at my door, they also feel guilty for their actions. Alright, now I said I'd dig more into my father's side of things, so I pulled out some of his intercepted birthday letters to me. Just a few, as this man has a way of draining my sanity by the word. Here we go. Void, my darling Starlight, you've turned six today. I so wish your mother wasn't keeping you captive from me. I have a pony here with your name on it, so please visit soon. I've been thinking about you a lot lately, and what a splendorous life I could give you. Did you know no one here has to go to school? I mean, you can if you wish, but it isn't mandatory. Plenty of the kids go about helping with the animals or drawing with the elders instead. I think you'd enjoy it, my dear Void Bear. So please write back soon, and maybe convince your mother to let you visit so I can save you. Happy birthday to the light of my life. Void, you're seven. What a wondrous age for a child to be. I hope you're eating healthy, and not the garbage your mother serves you. Fight her with all your will, and tell her you refuse to eat anything that is cooked by her. She's serving you poison, my sweet summer child. I wish you wouldn't consume what that witch cooks. Happy birthday, my little starshine. Void, you're thirteen. What an age. You can finally petition to come be with me. I am so excited to hear from the court in the coming months. I know you haven't written, but I know you'd much rather be here with me and the rest of our family. Time is running out to join the Celestial Kingdom, and I've saved you a spot here with me. I hope you put your foot down with your mother about coming. You deserve to know your father, and I deserve to see my lineage carry on in human form. Oh, you have a few little siblings now. 
but fear not, you still stick heavily in my heart. Three brothers and a little sister. What a big family we have now. I hope you can join us soon, my starshine. Happy birthday, Void Bear. Void, you're sixteen now. You must come join me here. I don't care what your mother says, but you've grown too old to fight me on this. You're sixteen. We must find you a partner and carry on the lineage before we ascend. Tell your mother it is time for you to come home, so we can flush your body of the toxin she's been forcing down your throat. If you deny me any longer, I will have to come to you, my dear. And I have friends everywhere. Happy birthday. Pack your bags. Uh, yep, 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 done reading that bullshit. I wonder what kind of shit this man would flip if I told him I wasn't ever having children. Hell, I have a surgery planned next year for that exact purpose. Anyway, let's hop to the weather. Hello everyone, it's Void filling in for the weather. Unfortunately, Misk had a wedding to attend, so you're stuck with me still. It seems the northern states are finally getting a taste of the cold after another extended summer. It's expected to reach freezing temps for most come the end of the month. It seems Texas may want to prepare for another cold winter, so those finding themselves in the southern states, please remember to prepare your pipes and backup generators. Now may be the time to install that fireplace you've always dreamed of to keep your home toasty, or invest in those extra blankets you talked yourself out of. Some of the best advice I can give you, from myself, who's lived in a northern state my entire life, is to stock your pantry with canned goods that can be eaten cold, stock your batteries for flashlights, purchase a cheap battery-operated radio, and fill your bathtubs if there's a risk of an outage. And invest in battery banks. Honestly, at this point, they are worth it. Browsing the store recently, it seems many battery-operated radios actually include a charging port for phones, so make investments wisely. For now, that's all I have for you. Back to myself. Ah, yes, thank you, me. And all of you in the southern states, please heed my advice. If you need more, please check out the link tree in the show notes for access to our Discord with people from all over to give you tips and advice. Alright, now on to the meat of the episode, with my personal alternate universe cryptid catalog. I know I promised two this time, but I feel like under the circumstances, these beasts are best left split up. Anyways, let's hop into it. For today's little dive into cryptozoology from the other side of the looking glass, I will be covering a very intriguing monster. This one being the Bigfoot-esque Farmer City monster. The sightings of this beast date back to July 9, 1970, when four campers, Don Ennis, Larry Faircross, Bob Hardwick, and Gail Baker, sat around their campfire on the edge of Salt Creek. They claimed that while they were enjoying their peaceful night, it suddenly took a turn, when they heard someone or something approaching them through the brush only to stop just outside the illumination of the campfire. Staring into the darkness where the noise was last heard only brought them greater fear, as whatever it was then bolted quickly for their tent. 
Swiftly, one of the boys grabbed a flashlight to bring the beast to light. In front of them, they claimed to have seen a creature roughly six to seven feet tall, with glowing yellow eyes and white-gray fur. This led the group to let out a guttural scream, leading the creature to bolt back into the darkness at inhuman speeds. Of course, prompting the group to hurriedly abandon camp and head to the nearest police station. This led to an investigation, though the officer sent to investigate, Robert Hayslip, said he witnessed no such beast, but did hear something running among the tall grass. Of course, this inspired a frenzy of people trying to locate this creature, as it often does. Only a weekend later, it is reported that 10 to 15 people witnessed a glowing pair of eyes staring at them from the dark in the same area. A few days after that, three more claimed they saw the creature itself. Bob Tharp, a man reported to have seen the beast a few nights later, claimed he didn't think it was as tall as the original group said maybe only standing about three or four feet high, and that it was simply a grayish being. Of course, this prompted Officer Hayslip to go out again with a friend in the early morning. Once again, though, they heard nothing but rustling and left the tent of the original four when they departed. When people returned later that day, it is said that the tent originally left in decent condition only mere hours prior was now in shreds. It is reported that the beast went so far as to even rip the steel grommets out of the canvas. It is even said that while exploring the area, you could find obvious signs of a creature bedding down for the night. By the looks of grass matted down under trees. Unfortunately, no one ever captured photo evidence of the creature. But it is said that only three hours south of Farmer City, in Murfreesboro, a very similar creature would be spotted only three years after the first a creature which we will discuss on the next show. Now, stay tuned for Cryptid Watch, and I'll be back with you shortly. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Cryptid Watch with Autumn. Today's watch may be a little short, as I am currently hiding from the park's leaf blowers, as the weather changes, so bear with me. Anywho... It seems as fall comes at us with force and winter just around the corner, there is an uptick in forest daddy activity. Remember, these creatures are an eldritch horror found in most corners of the world, so if you think you're safe, you're not. The best way to avoid them is to follow Owlman protocol, but instead of hiding to find the siren, simply get yourself back to civilization as fast as possible. Also, never forget, do not, under any circumstances, use their real classification. Forest Daddy is the closest we can get without giving them power to follow us home. It's similar to vampires in a way. Don't invite them in and you're relatively safe. As for Japan and their little lizard, it seems it isn't too little anymore. According to the Japanese government, the creature grew about 10 feet in the span of a month and is growing to look more like a death claw from the Fallout franchise than a Godzilla. I don't know what that means for the future, but for the moment the creature is reported to be docile and prefers fresh fruit over flesh and bone, which I suppose is good for Japan's agriculture, as people are now being subsidized to plant fruit on their land. Alright, that's all I've got, so it's back to you, Void. Let's hope the leaf blowers never catch me.
I wish you the best of luck avoiding pursuit, Autumn, and I would be lying if I didn't say I was still slightly concerned over the Japanese Lizard of Doom. But, yes, forest daddies, please remember everyone, camping season is over. If you choose to go out now, you're at the mercy of nature, and your insurance will not cover it. Anywho, one more little tit-for-tat before we call it a night. It seems my local neighborhood watch left me a letter this morning, before I left for my truck to the station, and as per their request, I shall read it here. Hello, Void. We never quite got the time to introduce ourselves when we moved in, but we're the neighborhood watch. We do our best to keep Hollow Creek residents safe and make sure our kids can continue to play outside. But that isn't our only job. We also do our best to keep our eyes on anything that could spell danger. For the wider community. Lately, we've come across a disturbing revelation that you must share on your show. If you can find it in your heart to do so. As this will affect more than just Hollow Creek. Recently, we've noticed a creature letting out an ear-splitting shriek as the sun crests the horizon. Curious, we took out a small expedition to track it down, and it led us to the Fox River. Now this river has never been a pleasant piece of landscape, but most leave it be for its utility with the locks and paper mills around it. I think we may be at the point where we have to call in someone to cull it. As the next sunrise, we were awoken to the scream, popping some of the lesser members' eardrums, and were presented with a beast from legend. A large and imposing shadow cast over us as we witnessed the face of a worm, with a mouth lined with sharp fangs and tentacles slashing along the shoreline. I'd say this creature is about thirty feet high from bottom of the river to top, and has definitely reached the level that we should be concerned, especially considering that soon it will be able to climb on land, judging by the strength behind those tentacles. I hope I am overly concerned for nothing, and that the WDPCI can handle this. But for now, please share this on your show, so that those closest to the shore can evacuate for a few days further inland. Thank you. Your friendly neighborhood watch. Ah, that explains what's been startling the felines and Mr. Stubbs around three in the morning. I do hope the WDPCA wraps that up quickly. And you heard him. If you live around the Fox River, it may be time to move inland for a few weeks, until it can be dealt with. For now, that's all I have for you, and I do hope you have a pleasant night. Oh, by the way, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? DJ Void, signing off. Thank you everyone for joining us again on Station 13. We appreciate the returning and new listeners alike. Now, quickly before I leave you all, I would like to give a special thanks to our staff. That includes Lyric, whom you can find under Lapcat Creations on most platforms, Rain, who can be found on the podcast Onward and Onward, and Rook, who voices Autumn, who is as ambiguous as their creation. Special thanks goes out to those on our Discord and Kate Gardner for reading our commercials. You can find her work at kgardnerbooks.com. If you'd like to join our Discord or find our various other social medias, please peruse the link tree in the show notes at your leisure. 
If you find yourself enjoying Station 13, I do recommend you try the podcast that helped inspire it all, Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High. They are currently on hiatus, and now would be the perfect time to binge their tales of adventure. Anywho, that's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you all next time on Station 13.